0: The Mac Observer's Mac GeekGab number 437 for Sunday, February 17th, 2013. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Cab. The show where you send in questions, tips, cool stuff found. We answer your questions. We share tips. We share cool stuff found. And together, we all come here to learn at least four new things about the Mac and other Apple products here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And yes, the current bar is set at four. That's right. Four. And if you can't meet that, well, then you won't. <laughs> <laughs> here. But we're going to keep raising the bar. That's right. Yes. I hope Not too many fall behind, but here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John Braun. It's our job to make sure no one falls behind, John. It's
0: uh, the the onus is on us. There you go. All right, uh, let's uh, you know, let's just dive right into the questions here, John. Let's uh, let's go with with Fred, and let's see where we let's see where Fred takes us here. This one's
1: awesome. All, All right, and right. helps us learn a lot about the Mac, as you'll see. That's right. good. So he writes. I have a Mac Pro running Mac OS 10.7.5. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean 7.5, even though that's what's in here. So it's, I suppose there may be one or two people out there still running 7.5, Dave. I'm not sure.
0: No, I think right. he means,
1: <laughs> I,
0: I think he means Lion 10.7.5.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. I just didn't see the number 10. In yes. Uh, okay. Right. Right. One zero dot. On to the problem. I can't get mission control to launch at my admin user account. I have a test admin user account that I use to test to see if I can open apps that don't open or are acting funky in my main account, my main user account. And that's a good thing to do. have a backup account. Well, yes, Mission Control opens in my test account. So something is amiss in my main account. Yes, there is. Short of reinstalling OS X, is there any magic I can perform to preferences or other files in my main user account to get Mission Control to launch? I think I may have shut off spaces via a utility, but I can't remember which one. I thought it was something like Mac Secrets or the like which does different adjustments to Mac Systems. So I guess I mucked up Mission Control. Yes, he did. Any idea how to get it back? Yes. So I'm almost positive he used something like Mac Secrets. I haven't used that one, but there's also another one called Secrets. And maybe that's one he's talking about but it installs a pref pane. And a lot of what it does is mucks about underneath the covers with the various arcane terminal commands to enable and disable certain features. And I was wondering about this too, Dave, is that mission control really isn't an app in that, or at least not as far as I can tell. It's not a traditional app in that you launch it or can tell it not to launch. It just kind of appears there. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and so it's kind of frustrating for people because they're like, well, how do I get, how do I get rid of this? And the, the way you get rid of it is by using uh, one of these tools or learning about arcane things. And so what I found was uh, I, I found the solution to the problem, but I also found a cool site. And also it, it, uh, it, it helps a uh, discussion of how you can find this out for not just this app, but other apps. So uh, I found this really neat site or, or, or a tip to do this on this site, defaults rightcom And they have a specific article that talks about this saying, oh, well, here's how you can enable uh, and disable mission control. Let me get the tip up here. Okay, disable mission control in spaces. And what you do, now we've talked about these before, but I want to just give the, the background and the detail because it leads to, the, I think, something important. So in this case, if you say, if you go into the terminal and then say defaults, write com.apple.doc, and let, let's stop there. So that's the first part. And then there's going to be a value within whatever this com.apple.doc is and it actually is a preferences file but And, and you'll be you'll be able to see these you don't need to write this
0: down now they are right there on this website so if you need to do this you you can go find it but but yeah no I get where you're right. going with this do you want to explain the construct of of how these these defaults commands work on the terminal and it, and it, this right. is a good thing
1: yep good right so I'm going to search with defaults write com.apple.doc so even though you're typing that in, what that actually is, this is the name of a preferences file. Uh, and it's actually com.apple.doc.plist, and I believe that's in your home directory, library, preferences. I think that's where it is, or at least that's what I said when I wrote back. But it doesn't matter because uh, yes, you're sorry, writing on, it. Library preferences is where that file is. So what this command is really doing is modifying a value in that file. And the value in this case, and here's the other interesting part. So the, so the key or the value that you're modifying is called MCX. And I'm going to guess that stands for mission control with the X standing for control, which I don't know why they shortened it that much, but MCX-expose-disabled. And then after that, you set the value. In this case, they, you set it to true. And basically what that does, so that's step one. Step two, you then say kill all space dock. We've talked about that before. So, so, this, so if anything, mission control is kind of married or, or part of the dock launch process, as far as I can tell, it, that again, it it's is. not a traditional app, but it's, it's something in the dock. And by setting this setting, which duh, it's comp.apple.doc. so it has something to do with the dock. And then uh, doing the kill all, when you bring it back, it will be disabled. Now, we, we didn't want to do that in this case. We wanted to do the opposite. So there's two ways to do the opposite. Uh, one I won't read it but they give a way to delete that key from the file and then the other thing is that you could just take the first thing that they have the defaults right blah 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 true and just set it to false set it to the opposite value
0: that's right yeah this one's a little weird because you want the you want mission control to appear so you're setting the value to false but the value as john pointed out is mcx exposed disabled so it's it's this double negative thing that you've got going on. You you want to not have it disabled so that it is enabled. A
1: little bit weird, but that's how a lot of this stuff works. So awesome. And All that's right. it. And yep. uh, but the important thing I just want to. Make sure to point out, so one, this site is really cool. This has a lot of tips on it, so just go to the site itself. But number two, the site being the, defaults, dot com. Yes. And I guess the last thing to mention is that you would not. You could also have accomplished this by using a plist editor. Uh, One comes, uh, you know, I'm building my system. And the, the first one, of course, that you can use is uh, if you install Xcode, the development tools that has a basic plist editor Uh, and the other, other programs, BB edit, I I believe, uh, and other editors that can look inside plist files. And so that's the other way to do this. You don't have to go through the terminal, though. It's probably the quickest way to do it and that you don't have to be mucking about with a file. On the other hand, if you open the file, then you can see all the other values in it and, it may uh, uh, you may want to get creative, but be careful. <laughs> That's right. Now, I don't know how people find this stuff. I I think there has to be somebody that opens up all these files and looks for these values.
0: Yeah, I wonder if. Well, I mean, this, this value wouldn't even have been in this P list file, though. Um, so it's got it. I wonder if if and I don't know enough about it, but I wonder if if there is a way to pull applications for their potential values And uh, and set them. I don't I don't know the answer, but I do know something, John. And uh, and I'll take this segue that you perhaps even unintentionally set up here and 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 run with it into our first sponsor, which is BB edit. And you did. You mentioned that BB edit is able to edit P list files. And that is one of the things it can do. Uh, It can do lots and lots of other things, too. But uh but editing PLIST files is one of the things I use it for. And it's totally handy because again, like anything else that you uh that you open in BB Edit, once it knows what kind of file it is, and of course once you open a PLIST file, it knows that it's a PLIST file, it formats everything on the screen with colors and, and indentations uh in a very easy to read way. It doesn't change the file with these colors and indentations. The file remains, well, I was going to say a text file, but in this case, it's plist files are often not quite text files. They, they got some funky stuff going on, but maybe it takes care of that for you and shows it to you and lets you edit these things and, um, and make sure your formatting's right and all of that good stuff. Of course, it works for other things, too, like HTML or JavaScript or really any language that you just might be able to think about. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's BB edit. Uh, you can get it at barebones.com. Uh, and, uh, and they've got a free trial there, of course. And, you know, I, 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 I I just can't think about life without having BB edit, not just on my Mac, but it is running all the time. I just use it constantly for editing everything. And I even use it just to sort text because it's so nice because it is, Just a text editor. So if I paste, if I've got text on the clipboard that's like funky formatting or it's got like bolds and italics and I just want to strip all that stuff out by simply pasting it into BBEdit because it's just a text editor, uh, it strips it all out automatically. There's nothing, there's no step two. You just paste it in and the formatting has gone and I can rearrange or sort, count words, all that stuff. Um, Again, you can get BBEdit at barebones.com. Once you are, uh, you can also buy it in the Mac app store. Uh, Once you're ready to buy it's 49 bucks. And, uh, but you can certainly check out the free trial there at, uh, at barebones.com. And we of course would like to thank them for sponsoring this show because, uh, because we appreciate the support, frankly. And, uh, and if you do wind up buying it from them, let them know where you heard about us, heard about it. You don't have to let them know about us. That, that would be kind of weird, but let them know that you heard about it from us. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Actually, John. as I'm putting my system together, Dave, that's one of the first uh, things that I brought over. And actually, I got to say, uh, although I was hesitant to do so, I gave it a shot, and I actually dragged it from my old drive that I did a full uh, clone uh, to my new drive, and it launched without problem. Yeah, awesome. Because yeah, I start. I needed to start doing some HTML, HTML work, and that is that is my uh, choice tool for doing the editing the source. If you want to get down and dirty, go.
0: Cool. All right, baby edit at barebones.com. Next? All right, Who's next, next? Uh, let's go to Mark. This is probably a handy one. Mike, Mark, Mark, not Mike, Mark says, uh, I'm pretty sure my issue has only been happening since iTunes 11. If I download app updates from my iPhone 4S and sync my iPhone to iTunes 11, which I do daily by routine, the updated apps are not synced back to iTunes iTunes still shows app updates available. And until I download from iTunes as well, they remain out of sync. Is there a bug? Am I the only one getting this? Newly downloaded apps downloaded directly to the iPhone for us from the store. Auto download OK to iTunes as I have that preference enabled. OK, uh, so that th- this brings up two good things. Number one is that you can set this preference uh, to be enabled and that can be a very handy thing. Uh, what he's talking about is if you, oh, come on iTunes behave, uh, if you go into iTunes and preferences and go to, uh, let's see store in preferences, you can turn on or off automatic downloads individually for music apps or books. So that is a handy way. If you know that you want to have all your apps, uh, stored in, in iTunes, you can, and you don't mind downloading them again, uh, i.e. you're not bandwidth limited or anything like that, then uh, then you can just go in and, and turn those on and then anything you buy from your devices will automatically be downloaded to iTunes. But updates will not. And updates, in theory, should sync when you do exactly what Mark is saying, when you sync manually or automatically, uh, either via USB or Wi-Fi. Now, you can force iTunes to to download your updates from your iPhone, and it's not entirely obvious, but you right-click, go in, go into iTunes with the device connected, and by connected I mean either physically connected with USB or manually or uh, uh, wirelessly connected via Wi-Fi with that whole procedure set up. Once it shows up in that devices list on the left-hand side, right-click or Control-click on your iOS device of choice. And in that menu, I believe the third thing down now on iTunes 11 is transfer purchases. That may not seem like the obvious way of transferring updates across, but it does do exactly that as well. It will transfer anything, in fact, that you have on your iOS device that is either non-existent on your Mac or uh, an older version on your Mac. So that's one way to do it. And that way. Uh, in theory, we'll also tell you if there's some authentication issue that's keeping iTunes from automatically pulling this stuff over. That will hopefully give you that warning and tell you what's going on. If not, though, the fifth item in this list, when you right click or control click on your device, is reset warnings. That is also a handy thing to do in case you have inadvertently or perhaps even intentionally in the past disabled a warning that now would be telling you what's going on and why things aren't working. So resetting those warnings, if you're still having problems, would be a good thing. So hopefully that helps, Mark, and, uh, and hopefully it helps any of the rest of you that were having any issues with any of that stuff. Ready to move on to John? John? Oh,
1: No? Oh, I suppose. All right. We've got to condense this, though, right? Yeah, you want me to read the question?
0: <laughs> or you're going to take a crack at it.
1: Uh, you know, maybe you can help, uh, uh, why don't you, um, cause yeah, I mean, we can't read the whole thing here because mm. there's a lot going on here, but may- maybe you can, uh, as a, uh, I'll, t- I got it, uh, I think. So John writes, my issue is that whilst
0: moving aperture to a new location, uh, I managed to delete all the master files from the original and subsequently emptied the trash before realizing it. I also had a failure of a backup drive and no full system backup. Deleting all the master files has not caused any issue, Uh, but for a few thousand of the most recent ones, I have an issue where Aperture cannot locate the referenced files. This means I can't export or modify. He's tried a couple of things to solve this. He's uh, sorted out his backup issue, which is good. He bought a data recovery tool and tried, and he got some, but not everything. Uh, And he had been backing up Aperture using the built-in vault method, Uh, but this backs up only the referenced files. So he's looking for us, John, to shed any light on what might be a solution here for uh, recovering or rebuilding or somehow kind of getting his Aperture library back in sync. So.
1: All right. The question. I think what's being said, tell me if you if you uh, drew the same conclusion here. So Aperture. Uh, like iPhoto and many other programs that manage photos, will have it in a single file or what appears to be a single file. Some have it in a folder, and others have it in a package. Okay. And uh, Aperture and both Aperture and iPhoto have it as a package. So in your Pictures folder, you should see a file called Aperture Library and one called iPhoto Library. Uh, now the thing is, these libraries can do many different things. So one, and this is the, the this is why I'm kind of fuzzy on this is that basically I have everything stored uh, or the originals or the masters. And I think this is an important term here. So master is the original photograph. And then uh, programs like Aperture can either contain the master within their library file or they can reference another file. And I think this is the problem here is that although it creates previews and does some caching and stuff like that, referenced files that are outside of the library that all of a sudden are needed. Like if a preview wants to import the full resolution version, then you're going to get the problems that we're hearing about. So does that sound like a good.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, his master right here yeah, is the
1: data it, has been scrambled and and he's not able to. Well, it's, prior, it, it hasn't been scrambled. It's been lost. I mean, he, he or the lost link, his master the files or the, or the data that. It sounds like he said he was able to recover them but the thing is he doesn't want to relink what he already has in Aperture. Yes. Which is some level of organization that made sense. I don't think it's just all the photos I think or maybe it is. I don't know, but I just uh, but the thing is that some of the links are broken between his current a- Aperture Be- library and what was
0: out there. After the, and and after the data recovery he has a lot of if not all of these masters but the link is broken. Yes. That's right.
1: All right. Well, the only thing I can think of, really, so I am not. So if the, there may be aperture gurus out there who understand the underlying structure. I don't understand enough about it. Mm-hmm. What I do understand is that I can find advice on how to approach this. Yeah. And Apple has a article, um, uh, Aperture Three Troubleshooting Basics, and so one of the very. uh one of the things early in the list here is a feature of not only aperture but also iPhoto, and it's a repair facility uh in the app. I think it also happens if you hold down uh these keys if you launch the uh library itself. But in this case what you do is you hold down option and command as you start aperture or you double click on the library file and you will get something that used to be at least aperture. Aperture library first aid, now I think it says photo library first aid because the uh structure is now shared between Aperture and iPhoto. So it's just called a photo library. But they have a few choices here. Uh, The first is repair permissions. I don't think that's the problem. Now, the second and third choices, I think, may be able if the repair operation is smart enough to realize, oh, you know, all these links are broken and it's because they're pointing to something that's outside of here. I'm wondering if the repair operation could then point to the thing he's recovered and be smart enough to say, oh, here they are and relink them. So I don't know. It's a long shot. I've never tried this. I'm not, I, maybe right. someday I'll damage one of my Aperture libraries and see if this works. But that, this is the, the, the only thing that I, I can think of suggesting. So there's repair database. And then the, the last one. So, so, you know, try that one first, of course. Step one, back up what you have already, because this could make matters worse. <laughs> uh, but rebuild database is, is the, uh, the Hail Mary, I guess, where that, that totally tries to recreate everything. Examines and rebuilds your library. This should be used only when repairs to the database do not address problems, which is the prior choice. So, it's really all I got, man. Yeah,
0: no, that's that. That's one place to start. You know, I was looking. There's nothing that I can find that's like, you know, iPhoto library manager for Aperture libraries. There's, uh, yeah, I don't know. We've got Mark in the chat room actually, and I'll, I'll use this opportunity to say hello to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekGab dot com slash stream. Uh, and Mark suggests, you know, now this would be a, a very uh, time consuming or scripted uh, process, um, but if not scripted manual, but relinking all of the, uh, the files with a, a, uh, a, a SIM link or a hard link, I should say um, back in Unix. I I don't know enough about how the, uh, how the aperture library works to, to say whether that's going to be the right way to do it or not. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. You know, I, I think the, I think the, the real lesson is these things, I, and I photo libraries are the same way. You know uh, these things are very, very convoluted and, and massively complex or can get to be massively complex package files. And because of that, having a backup is hugely valuable. Uh, especially two backups, as unfortunately John has um,
1: has experienced here. And as I found, Dave, so this yes. made me very happy. So restoring a lot of my programs, so one of or two of them I restored. Though I don't really use iPhoto anymore, but I restored my Aperture because I have about a hundred and ten gigabyte Aperture library, and I was very pleased. Um, so I had to do two things. One was to re-download it from the App Store because I was starting fresh then number two, the, before I launched it for the first time, I basically just dragged it from the clone that I had, dragged it over to my new drive, launched Aperture, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But this is where we were before. Right. <laughs> it was very seamless, and I think with a lot of the Apple apps and, and other apps, but uh, copying over all of the uh, data it's stored in a package uh, and putting it in the right place, uh, usually the app is smart enough to say, oh, all right, this, this is new, I'm not we'll just start from here. So, so I was very pleased to see that I did that with both my iTunes. I just copied my iTunes folder over and, uh, same with aperture, copied that over and, and they just worked. It's actually kind of shocking. (laughs) That's good. That's a good thing.
0: All right. Um, while we are at this, I don't know which, which direction to take this here. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Mike. We'll stay with photo woes, but we'll go to, we'll go, well, we'll go to iPhoto. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is actually a little bit more convoluted than just iPhoto, but we'll go from here. Uh, Mike says, I was listening to one of your recent podcasts where you mentioned doing a physical backup of your iPhone and or iPad after a listener had not had success with an iCloud backup and restore. Since I'd not connected my iPhone or iPad to iTunes via a cable in a very long time, I decided to take your advice and make physical backups. This is when my problems started. I always hate to hear that, that we, you know. Headed someone down a path that actually led to a problem. Uh, He says, when I plugged in my iPhone 5 and started the physical backup, iPhoto opened, as it always does, to ask if I wanted to import photos from my phone. As I have always done in the past, I ignored this and quit iPhoto to get back to iTunes. After the backup was complete, I disconnected my phone and opened iPhoto. It acted as if this was the first time I'd ever used iPhoto and asked me to select a library. I thought this was weird, but I went to user photos, I, well, he says iTunes, probably iPhoto library, and all of my photos were gone. I have many years worth of photos, so I was a bit panicked. I copied the photos from my iPad into iPhoto, but I'm missing many years of photos. So I went to my latest time machine backup, but it was from December. So not bad, but no holiday photos for this year. I went to my super duper clone on an external drive and found almost all of my photos, I could select that library to open an iPhoto and it works great. I tried to copy the photos into iPhoto and it copied for hours, but never finished. And then iPhoto stopped responding. Is there another way to get these photos into my library on my hard drive of my MacBook Pro? The way I did it, I just dragged the iPhoto library from my external clone into my iPhoto or my MacBook. Is this correct? Okay, Uh, so there's a couple of things going on here. And and the first is uh, that, Backing up via iTunes and the the process that you saw starting with iPhoto when you connected your your phone are two different processes. In fact, iPhoto in this regard doesn't see your phone any different than it would any other camera that you connect. it's just treating it like a camera um, and and so it's seeing oh you plugged in a camera I'm going to go ahead and launch iPhoto and you're going to start importing. You can change this behavior though. Uh, now in theory, what you did is fine. You just saw iPhoto open and you quit it. It's possible that there was some you know uh, pre existing damage to your iPhoto library that caused this to happen. But uh, but who knows? If you're always going to quit iPhoto or you find it annoying that when you plug in your iPhone iPhoto opens. You can change this behavior, go into iPhoto, which seems strange, I know, but bear with me, go to uh, iPhoto in the menu bar and go to preferences and go to general. And you have an option that's called connecting camera opens and you can choose any application that you have on your Mac that has registered itself as a photo management app. So if you have aperture, that might be listed there. iPhoto, of course, will be listed there. Uh, image capture, which comes default with your Mac, will be listed there most likely. And then there will be an option for no application. If you want iPhoto to not open when you plug your camera, your iPhone in choose no application. Of course, this will make it so that iPhoto doesn't open when you plug your camera in either, but it's relatively trivial to just manually open iPhoto and have it go to work. So in your case, that might be a good thing to do to mitigate uh, any problems that might happen from quitting iPhoto before it's ready, but that shouldn't have caused this problem. Uh, Again, it seems like something about this process either corrupted your iPhoto library or, or you know, exacerbated some preexisting problem. Uh, however, you did say that when it came up and asked you to point to your library, you pointed it to your iTunes folder. I get I get that that may have been just a simple email uh, mistake. And, and if so, that's fine. But you can force that dialogue to come up. That allows you to point iPhoto at any other library, which might be what you did with your uh, with your MacBook Pro and your backup drive, your clone drive. And you do that by holding down the option key uh, when you launch iPhoto. Uh, it might be worth a shot looking in your photos or pictures folder, I guess is what it's called. Right. So it's us find uh, in the home folder pictures and then that may be where your iPhoto library lives. Might that you may still have it there. If in fact you were looking in your iTunes folder, this might be the place to look. Uh, but as far as getting your photos uh, into this library, I wouldn't, if that's the library you've been opening, I wouldn't trust it. Something's wrong. You want to create a new library and pull everything in. Copying the library over from your clone to your MacBook should be fine. And uh, and you can start from there. But if you want to pull uh pictures from multiple sources or even from one source into uh, a library. Honestly, uh, the easiest way to do it is with third party software I've found. And and I mentioned it as we were talking about the last question, and it's iPhoto Library Manager from fatcatsoftware.com. It's uh it's not free, but I don't think it's all that expensive. It's like twenty or thirty but it's thirty bucks. And it's so totally worth it if you need to manage photos from multiple libraries and move things around and maintain all of your, you know, again, we, we mentioned these files are sort of crazy and I photo library manager makes life really, really easy to, uh, to do all this stuff and keep it straight. So hopefully somewhere in there, the answer helps, uh, helps you Mike. And as always perhaps helps the rest of you too. So
1: I have one thing to add. Go. Uh, this is a utility that actually I just decided to reinstall on my my uh, new machine here. Uh, but it's something that is relevant to the conversation, believe it or not. Uh, and it's called RC Default App. And this is a prep pane that uh, shows you some of the parts of uh, OS X and how it works that probably most people don't need to see or want to see. But if you do, and one of the items that is in this, Dave, and I just successfully installed it moments ago... <laughs> Uh, is that there is a media tab in it. And one of the choices that it has here is uh, you can, there's a, a, under the media tab, it has a first choice here called camera. And it says when a camera is connected, do this. So, what I'm saying is that, and what you brought up is a perfectly valid point. It's like, well, how do you change the default behavior when a camera isn't, is is uh, plugged in? Well, yep. you launch iPhoto. It's like, well, what if you don't have iPhoto? How do you tell the OS uh, what to do? This is how you you can do it. Yep. And uh, based on my experience, this thing actually, I I think the the version that's out there says, you know, if you have OS 10, 10.2, and above, so so it's using methods of configuring applications that are buried in the OS and, and seem to be stable enough that uh, they continue to, well, it continues to work. I've, I've never destroyed anything <laughs> by using this. Uh, cool. Next. Where are we?
0: Uh, I think, you know, we, um, we've touched on some backup stuff here. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to jump over to John's question, uh, a different John. And oh, Jay. uh O N J O N yes. that's right yeah uh um, and and he writes i'm using the trial version of carbon copy cloner based on the fact that he's heard you talk about it john he says i've set it to unmount the destination drive on completion but that's not happening if i try to eject the drive it tells me it's in use and offers to force eject which may cause data corruption i'm having issues such as photoshop launching from the clone drive rather than the boot drive and that's why john you would want to you know uh unmount this drive once your clone is finished says the destination drive is an internal sata drive in my mac pro i wonder if that behaves differently than usb i found something on a forum that mentioned a utility to show what processes are using the drive but the one mentioned hadn't been updated since snow leopard so i was reluctant to install it Um, the sata drive thing shouldn't be an issue i do exactly the same thing inside my imac and i'm able to unmount the volume automatically or manually uh, with no issues so that that shouldn't be the issue. So we can dig a little deeper and find out what it is. Um, Oftentimes, if you manually try to unmount a drive in the finder, it tells you, Hey, look, I can't do this because such and such process is using it. And that's very handy. But John is uh, the uh, question asker. John is not getting anything uh, that's indicating what the process is. And he's, he's gone back and forth with this. So, co-host John partner in podcasting crime here John I turn to you what what uh what else how else can you find out to uh
1: what you know what's keeping this drive mounted you know what Dave it it'd be really cool if there was a unix command that could show you open files this is where I was going with this okay. so this is the tip that I found yeah. so the unix uh that you have inside of Mac OS X, uh, has a command, and it's L-S-O-F. That's right. Okay. All right, so we're going to start there. So uh, number one, you got to go to the terminal to check this out, but don't be afraid. Sure. It's okay. And the first thing you may want to do is just say man L-S-O-F and say, well, what's this all about? Oh, L-S-O-F, list open files. Mm -hmm. It's a good start. Yeah. So it lists open files, but... As you may or may not know, but if you don't know, your Mac has not hundreds, but I would say probably thousands of files open at any one time, depending on how you define a file. So you probably don't want to, I could do it now and just look, Eh, not too much there. Okay. Maybe hundreds. All right. Maybe I, uh, yeah. All right. The the way I invoked it didn't show everything, but, uh, and this was a suggestion on Mac OS 10 hints. And basically said, here's how you can discover which programs prevent disk image ejection. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, so well, suggests, well I, mean, but, 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 but I think what they do is clever. So yeah. here we go. So here's how they solve the problem. So I, just, I was just giving a, ba- a backgrounder with LSOF. So And in the comments, someone added something. So here's what you want to do. So first, I'm going to start with sudo, sudo. Uh, launches something as root or super user. So they suggest this is the best way to do it. But then beyond that, what they suggest is doing LSOF then a space yeah. then a vertical bar, which is a pipe, which I believe means take whatever the thing before me did and spit it out to this thing yep. that's coming up. Take, okay? take the
0: output of the, the first command and send it as the input to the next command. Yep.
1: Yeah. So it's a pipe very similar to a tube, which is what the internet is made of. Yeah. <laughs> And then you type grep, which is a uh, general purpose text matching utility, then a space. And then what they say is you want to put in uh, the name of your uh, volume or the name of the disk that you're having problems with. What this will do is take the output of LSOF, which contains all sorts of goodies, and filter it on the name of the drive you're having problems with. What that's going to do is show you the files that are open that are on that drive, which is probably why you can't eject it. There we go. Uh-huh. Cause I know, you know, LSOF. I eight. do. Come on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you know, if you don't want
0: to use grep, uh, you know, sometimes the, the finder, sorry, the terminal has its own find uh, capabilities, right? So you can just do an LSOF and have it barf all that stuff out to your terminal. And then you can do a command F and, oh, sure. and find in there if you don't want to use grep uh as as uh, but i will say and i this is new to me uh I, I never knew before what grep meant and michael in the chat room says it is global regular expression print and uh and so they, there you go and you can you can do a lot of weird stuff with it you know regular expressions i have to mess with them probably about twice a month And I still haven't
1: like fully mastered them to where I can, I can just, I have not regular expressions is, is a form of wizardry to, to (laughs) I think, uh, quantify or qualify, uh, Search patterns. Is that's cool. That? That's, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. It, well, in it, and the great, and I've part, never figured it out. <laughs> the great part about
0: regular expressions is, I mean, we're so geeky at this point right now, but it, um, great, regular expressions let you match on really anything and you can get really granular with it and, and you can customize them in so many different ways, but it's, 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 it's voodoo. I mean, you look at, right. I had to edit one just, what's the Sunday? I had to edit one on Friday and, uh, and it was one that's really important. Like if I screwed it up, the website wouldn't work because it was for a, uh, a redirect rule in our Apache config. Again, I know we're way down the geek meter here, but, uh, but, but I had to do it and, and I was like, okay. And we tested and, you know, went around and around. I was like, fine, we'll roll it. And it worked, but you know, it's, it's, it can be voodoo. So, but it's fun. It's good. So grep global regular expression global slash regular exp expression slash print. Originally, it was an, a command in the editor ed ed, which was g slash regular expression slash no. p. So
1: yeah, we're ed, getting, we're getting. Oh, now you're getting fancy, man. I oh, know. I know. Ed, I know. ed <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I, I came from Emacs and, and the uh the though the, it's the, it's lost in the mists of time, but I remember working on a terminal with Emacs, writing macros to do some pretty darn sophisticated Dude, dude Emacs isn't
0: lost. Go to your terminal and type Emacs. Oh it's, I know. It's there.
1: Well no, but I, I doubt many of the uh you know, many of the kids today or people that are Yeah, you know taking computer science or computer engineering have any idea what that is i don't don't think they teach such antiquated
0: (laughs) now see when (laughs) i started messing with unix machines emacs um was not on everything it was certainly it certainly had been it is the
1: kitchen sink of editors because it's so huge and bloated which is why some people like it
0: yeah but it also is the reason that it's not it wasn't necessarily on everything so because because emacs wasn't always there um and I believe Nano and Pico, or what Pico or whatever you want to call them, hadn't been uh, invented yet, or at least not standardized yet. Uh, I learned VI, which is uh, which you know. As uh, I think, it was it Lenin Kelvin in the chat room is saying, I haven't found a computer that does not have VI installed. Well, he hasn't run Windows, but uh, but that's a good a good thing. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's. Um, but I love it. I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird editor. It's again, one of those things I I can't, I think I've said this on the show before. I can't think about it when I'm using it. I just have to go on muscle memory because otherwise I'll get stuck in a mode and and not realize how to get out. But, uh, but it is weird and modal. And if you're not in the right mode and you don't know how to anyway, where were we? Just, hey, we you talked just saw about comment, right? Yes. Yeah. John in the <laughs> chat room uh, in, indicated his, his, the uh, lack of Just. a preference for modal <laughs> editors in no uncertain terms, but I do. What I am certain about is that this next company we're going to talk about is our second sponsor for this show. And, uh, and it, it's crash plan. Now we were talking about backups, which is what, uh, you know, w- w- the segue I'll use here. Not that we need one, but uh, crash plan is online backup uh, in, in, plain and simple, but it's not plain and simple. Although they make it plain and simple. It's it, it, they make it so easy to use. You install crash plan, install the software on your Mac and, uh, and you pick what you want to back up or you kind of let it pick uh, for you. And you can certainly customize. And it's so customized. It, it, It will let you do basically whatever you want. And then it sends it up to the cloud. And it happens by default. It happens. uh, It's an automated thing and it basically happens continuously. And your data is encrypted on the way up and you can choose what level of encryption you want. You can choose to have it encrypted with just your password or uh, you can actually create your own key. But as always, we've talked about this before. You know, security comes with uh, if, if you're making it so secure that other people can't get in you have to make sure you can get in so you, you need to remember your big long key but uh crash plan it's it's offsite obviously because it's going up to the crowd, cloud uh it can back up open files so it doesn't matter if you're working on it or not it's still going to be able to take a copy of of where you were send it up to the cloud it keeps multiple versions uh so it Uh, and it also, uh, is efficient about what it sends up to the cloud. So it knows, okay, well this, most of this exists up here. So I only need to send the changes up, but yet you can pull down different versions as you like. Uh, I haven't had any issues with it using the CPU. You know, it's, it's like really low CPU usage. In fact, I even run it on, uh, on my relatively slow NAS drive and, and it, it's no problem there either. It's it's really efficient from that standpoint. And you can get it all your stuff from your iPhone too. Uh, you just plug in your credentials and your encryption key if you went that route, and it pulls the stuff down. And you can edit and see the files basically wherever you want. Offsite backup, you know, I can't, the crash plan is something that I use. I've used it for, oh gosh, well over a year, I would say, perhaps longer. It, um, you know, we have our, our local backups, we have our clones, we have our time capsules, and all of that stuff. But having a backup offsite is huge. Having the peace, you know, it's so rare that I restore anything from Crash Plan, although I have. Uh, and I do recommend that you do that just as a matter of course so that you know how to do it. But it's very, very easy. But having the peace of mind that the data that I uh, might want someday is not also stored in my house is a great, is a great peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just makes so much sense to have data stored elsewhere and to have it encrypted so that, you know, no one else can get at it and, and all of that stuff. Uh, very, very important. So what crash... I like Dave. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah.
1: It's timely because of my, you know, recent system meltdown. But the thing is I am getting notifications from crash plan because we, uh, both use it yep. saying you know what i haven't seen your old machine in a while is, is everything okay uh, and to me that's just comforting in that if you have a machine registered with crash plan and it doesn't and it sees it deviate from its regular backup it alerts you now in this case of course i knew the reason why is because my machine crashed and right. <laughs> i reformatted my hard drive but just the fact that they they give you the option of alerting you that you know something hasn't happened uh, is everything okay i i it just really struck me because I really don't recall another service doing something like that. And that I got an email saying, I haven't seen, you know, your old MacBook pro for a while. Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, that's, it, I, I had totally forgotten about that, but yeah, I get a weekly report as I'm sure you do from crash, an email from CrashPlan saying, okay, here's the state of all of your machines. But if something goes offline for longer than, I think just a couple of days, I start getting notes saying, Hey, wait a minute, you know, this isn't right. And that's really handy if you've got a machine that's backing up to CrashPlan that doesn't have, uh, you know, that you're not interacting with. It could be a server or something like that. Really, really handy to get that. Um, If you visit CrashPlan, make sure you go to CrashPlan.com slash MGG. And the reason you want to do that is because while they were at Macworld Expo, they were offering a special to anyone that uh, that signed up at Macworld Expo. Well, uh, and the special was that you got 33% off of their list prices for one, two or three year plans. So uh, they're extending that to Mac Geekab listeners up through the end of February. So you've got some time, even if you're not listening to this show for, you know, a couple of days after it comes out, you've still got time. You've got through February 28th. Uh, make sure you the only way to get it is to just visit. And it's easy. com slash MGG. You can sign up and you save 33%. So, you know, you can get Crash Plan Unlimited, uh, which is from, you know, one computer um, and unlimited online storage. And you can get that instead of it being, I guess, about 72 bucks a year, it's 50 bucks a year, just shy of 50 bucks a year. And with the Family Unlimited plan, uh, you can save even more because you, you know, again, 33% goes even further and you can get that for about 112 bucks a year. So, uh, and that lets you back up uh, up to 10 computers to one crash plan account. Really, really good stuff. So, uh, so I encourage you to check it out and, and, and let, and let them know. Thanks for, uh, for extending the, the, uh, the special to uh, all of us here. We'd asked them about it at Macworld and they said, yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that for you. So it's crash com slash M G G is where you want to visit. Anything, uh, anything further on that, my friend, or is it time to, time to move on? We've got some great tips actually to, uh, to share. I
1: love the next tip because it involves my wife. I That's think. right. Your, your, your industry wife. That's right. It uh, happened to him in Vegas. And I, I, I know nothing, you, you know, you know, uh, I, I think I've already said too much. You said
0: too much. That's right. So John, Uh, when we were in San Francisco and did that Geek Ebb from the show floor, Katie Floyd came up and was asking about, uh, how to get it so that she had this issue on one of her machines where iTunes, every time she launched was asking, uh, for the firewall exclusion. And she had gone in and done all this stuff and reinstalled and blah, 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 and still couldn't get it to happen. Now, uh, we've heard of this before. And I knew at the time that we had heard uh, about a solution, but I couldn't think of it. Thankfully, listener John uh, chimed in and and had the solution. And this will work not just for for iTunes, but for other apps where you're having this problem as well. He said, I just did a format and clean install of mountain lion and had the same issue. Downloading iTunes again didn't work. Deleting iTunes wasn't possible because mountain lion doesn't allow it. Uh, So it only allows you to reinstall on top. Says, then I found a forum that suggested to open the package contents. So this is going to the finder, right click on iTunes, choose open or show package contents, delete the contents folder, which is going to delete everything. So this is how you delete iTunes when Mountain Lion won't let you delete iTunes. Delete the contents folder, then run the iTunes installer, put it back out there. And that's always the trick to getting these firewall things fixed is reinstalling the app. So it has to sort of go and re register. And, uh, and Katie, we, we, I actually sent this along to Katie and she tried it and it, it worked. So
1: it's excellent. So just th- that, that, no, that's it's the not, trick. it's good. No, what, what bothers me is that you're, you're almost damaging, uh, something in a file to get this to happen.
0: Well, you're, you, the idea is, you know, that in order to solve this, you need to
1: delete the application and reinstall it. And but you can't. Right? But do you see where I'm, what I'm saying is that a, a, a normal you should be able within App Store or something to say you know what, just start from the beginning. But it sounds like it wasn't smart enough to do that, so you had to right. trick it, saying, "Okay, you're you're damaged in that I I yanked something." <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's right. Too many horror movies lately. Yeah. No, but I, I took something from you, and because you're so damaged, you have to rebuild yourself. Yeah. To rise from the dead. No. <laughs> well, but the, the issue, I guess, is that when you... But even, it convinced, it convinced the, me- the the existing mechanism to re-download, and... and well, no, mo- you, it's not an automatic think, thing. It was the signature.
0: Hey, yeah, but hang on. I think you're missing the, the point here. She was able to re-download iTunes and reinstall it but the problem yes. is when you reinstall iTunes on top of itself, it doesn't replace everything in there. And because they, it, Very so, good. right. So we had to delete that stuff out and, but it wasn't an automatic thing. Once this was deleted, still needed to go and redownload iTunes if you hadn't already and, and reinstall. So, but yeah, it's messed up that mountain lion won't let us just delete it, you know, but that's how it goes, I guess. Uh, <sighs> yes. It's crazy. We've got some cool stuff found here. We've got some more questions to go through. Yeah, but let's, let's go through, uh, let's go through a couple of fun things. You know, Allison, uh, while we're on the subject of uh, some of our other favorite podcasters, uh, Allison Sheridan, Podfeet from uh, Nozilla cast. She, um, she had an issue that I can't remember if we talked about it on the show or not. I don't think we did because we didn't, we couldn't come up with an answer and it was sort of this weird esoteric thing, but Uh, but I did want to share this with all of you now that she found the answer or someone that she works with found the answer. Um, And we talked about it a little bit, but uh, the issue is if you have a passcode on your iOS device, on your iPhone or, you know, any other device and you plug it into your Mac, the first time you plug it in, you have to authenticate uh, with your Mac. But then after that, you don't have to, uh, authenticate anymore. It remembers in that it
1: says and I think I've I've seen this, Dave. So so what'll happen is uh, I think iTunes will come up or and say, Yeah, your device is secure is uh locked. Please punch in the passcode and then once you do it once, because I just had to go through it again, I was yep. kind of surprised, but not totally. But I was like, Okay, you think you're a new machine. So and yeah, I did it once and then it went away. Yeah. Sorry, just no, that,
0: that's right. And and so her question was, OK, where is that file? What if I don't want my Mac or, you know, my Windows machine or my work machine or whatever to be able to unlock my iPhone again? You know, I've used it for a little while, but now I'm moving on, but I don't want to wipe the machine clean. How do I reset that there? And there is no option that we found in iTunes to reset that. So, uh, you know, and, and you start trying to search for. You know, iPhone lock file on Google, and I mean it's a disaster. My Google foo's not good enough to do that um, because it you know there's too much stuff. Well, Allison, I think it wasn't a coworker of Allison's actually that found it, and the file is called escrow keybag. Yep, escrow keybag, and it's stored on your Mac in private var db lockdown on windows it's in all users slash apple slash lockdown uh i'll put a link to her uh uh transcript of her of her show notes so that you or of her show rather where this was discussed so you can you can see it and and listen or read it or whatever you like but we'll put that in the show notes but uh but yeah escrow keybag is the uh is the name of the file which i i just love that name for some reason i don't know uh,
1: uh escrow is actually been part of the whole public key infrastructure or a pkis okay yeah no i've done some work in that thing and yeah escrow escrow actually has a negative connotation for some people because escrow was a uh, proposal So, all right you got a network whatever type of network and you're a government or a security agency and you're like well what do I do to secure, make sure all the traffic is secure or not? And one is that, hey, the, you know, somebody is going to take care of securing the traffic, but you need encryption keys, these mysterious pieces of information that that scramble the data and unscramble it so that it's uh, secure. Here's the problem. Who holds on to the keys? And so the whole term key escrow, one part of it when I did this work, hinted at the fact that, you know what, in addition to you and I having the keys, which are you and I being the people right. that are involved in the conversation. Maybe we should escrow them for other people, uh, like three-letter agencies, right, or right. the government, or the man, and uh, and and that's where that that whole term, when I worked in it, Dave, was very. Okay. Key so, escrow had a very negative connotation because it basically meant somebody other than you and the person you're talking to wants to have your key and escrow it or store it away somewhere in order to do uh, to to at a later time, basically decode your sec- what you thought was secure Yeah. <laughs> communication. Okay, so, so this
0: makes sense. I mean, it's 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 exactly that, right? It, you know, something else wants to maintain that key then and, and that's something else of course is your computer uh and in this case that's not well not necessarily a bad thing out of the gate but as as we explained
1: in the intro to this it could be so yeah cool stuff so thought i'd give a window into that and i see some people in the chat room responding but yeah escrow is not necessarily always bad right, but right. it may not always necessarily be good. sure
0: all right, uh, well, uh, cool stuff. Found emeritus. Uh, something we have mentioned in the past, but I, I you know, I, I can't remember everything as we're talking about it, and it's good to have reminders. Bruce sent in. A reminder to us, he said, in the last Mac Geekab, you guys discussed making a bootable USB drive, but I don't remember if you guys ever mentioned Lion Disk Maker. It works on Lion and Mountain Lion and will build a bootable OS installer on your USB drive, even leaving the original icons in place. You just need to download the installer from the app store uh, first and then run Lion Disk Maker from liondiskmaker.com. So that's... uh, I always forget about that one that makes life so much easier for doing these things. So thank you for uh, for the reminder, my friend. All right. Uh, let's see, John. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump here to Irvi. Whoa! well, it's not really a jump, mm-hmm. actually. It's it's actually right in line, although I've been jumping around so much on on our agenda that nobody else sees that it might not make sense. I, anyway, but anyway, Irvi asks, he says, I have a question request for advice on network storage. I have a 2007 Mac mini to which I connect a two terabyte drive to store my 18,000 song iTunes library, an 87,000 picture. iPhoto library and around 200 home movies at one gigabyte each. I then use the Mac mini and Plex, which I love. To watch videos and access the iTunes, et cetera, via a MacBook Air and various iOS devices. Library sharing is not an issue at this stage because my wife and I use the same account on the air. Uh, But my question is, I am going to run out of space at some point soon. And as I am adding more and more home movies all the time via my conversion project, I'm also an avid photographer. What is the next best step? I've been thinking about some form of home raid uh, to be expandable. Uh, such as Drobo or something else. However, I think they're pretty expensive and therefore thought of the Synology disk station that you've mentioned. I've heard that they can run an iTunes server app perhaps and also even run Plex server on there. Do you think this is a good solution or should I just add another external hard drive when the two terabyte runs out of space? I was thinking of having a dedicated external drive for iTunes video content and iPhoto content. Okay, so um, you're always gonna spend more on a nas device uh, or a raid solution than you will on individual drives and there's a couple of reasons for that Um, with just a raid solution uh you're buying not only the the drives but you also have to buy the enclosure for them which comes with some sort of software usually built into the enclosures but you can you know uh, some raids can you know if you're managing it directly from your mac uh you can forego that and let os 10 manage the raid enclosure but uh But, you know, you're buying this enclosure that's doing some some magic to allow you to to link these drives together into one uh, cohesive volume. So you are going to spend more, but you have the ability to have far more storage available than you would with any single drive and have it all available on a volume. Drobo years ago introduced us all to the concept of expandable storage for the layman, if you will because they, they built a very easy to use solution where you could just replace drives and you didn't have to worry about sizes and matching drive sizes like you do in most traditional raid setups. And you just put that stuff in and the Drobo stuff uh, works great right up until the point that you want to use it as a NAS drive. And then we've, we've sort of had some, some lingering issues with that. Uh, I don't know enough about the Drobo five N yet to recommend that. So I would say stay away for now uh, until we learn more. Uh, the Synology stuff, which is the disk station units, I've had. I love it. It's exactly what I always wanted out of a NAS drive, and you can get them in different enclosure sizes. Uh, they all come with the disk manager software, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. But uh, but you can get them with you can get them with a two bay unit. You can get them with. Um, I think an eight bay and you can even link them together and go 16 or, or 30 I mean, You can go nuts. But for those of us in the home realm, two bay or even a four bay is probably going to be, you know, what makes sense for us budget wise. The, re- the, the benefits are this. Yes, they do have the ability. And I, I run mine this way to have different size drives, just like the drobos do. And you hop swap the, the drives out and you can replace drives and all that stuff. So you don't have to worry about matching your drive sizes, and that's awesome. But uh, on the network side, what I love about the Synology stuff is what you're talking about here. You can run an iTunes server in there. You can run a Plex server, which I do. Uh, Wow, the power just went out of my house. Are you still here, John? Did I lose you? Huh. I'm going to pause and see if we can get this show back on the road. OK, we're back. So uh, as th- some of the listeners heard, but no one else, uh, well, at least, John, you didn't hear my my power flickered here. Um, the computer stayed on, but there must be something in the chain between me here in the studio and the router over in the house that uh, that does not stay on when the power flickers. And therefore, uh, I, I lost connect- connectivity Skype between you and I, John, you are still here with me now, John, right?
1: yeah you still kind of failed but
0: (laughs) well but but we never the the call (laughs) never had to be reconnected i mean we didn't have to redo the call it just sort of happened uh automatically
1: no actually it was funny yeah in the chat room i saw all of a sudden everybody got kicked out and then they all came back so it's like okay there's a disruption. though why would that happen in the chat room so there has to be a a, a non-localized disruption or
0: no, no no it's it's the same reason that you and i didn't get uh, that you and I got disconnected because I'm streaming the chat. Uh, the, 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 the live chat streams mm-hmm. from here. Well, I mean, it, it relays through our servers in Virginia, but, but the source of it of course is here because it's where our audio starts from. So uh, Ooh, Virginia that's, yeah, that's where host. America. we hosted Thank at, you, sir. at servant in Virginia. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. America in America. Yeah. Virginia. Last I checked is still in America. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so back to the, the, the Synology thing. So yeah, you can, you can run all kinds of different packages on this unit. It's actually a little uh, embedded Linux system is what it is, but you don't have to get, you have to get a little geeky, uh, but it's not overly geeky to to manage this thing. You don't need to, like you certainly don't have to ever see a terminal prompt. You can do it all in your web browser, and the packages, they have their own little app store, if you will. And you can uh, download packages that they've sort of blessed or you can add if you want third party repositories and download packages that other people had built. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm running CrashPlan on it. It's unsupported, but I run it on there and I'm able to back up all the data that I have on on the Synology or the bits and pieces that I want go up to CrashPlan and it works great. Um it it really it's it's what you want if you want a network attached storage device because it really lets you go as deep as you want with it and and like I said the pricing is not bad you know you can start with it for I think a couple three hundred bucks in, in a dual drive unit and uh, so so yeah and uh, and and Duffy in the chat room is asking can I use it with Sonos to manage my music yeah I had keep my iTunes library stored on the disc station. And then I point my Sonos at the disc station and say, go get the music from here. And it, it does, it, you know, cause that's how it works. So, so yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, and I'm looking here now cause we got a weird interruption, but I think that answers the question. Um, the one thing you want to do is before you buy one of these things, think for a second about what you want to do with it. Um, very specifically, if you plan to do something like Plex, plex is uh an awesome media server and uh and it can work really really well and it works with ios and you can you know use airplay to your apple tv with it but uh if you're running plex if the movies are in a format that is playable on your ipad it will just stream them direct to your ipad however if the movies are not in a format that's playable on your ipad it has to transcode them on the fly at the server end and the server in this case is your disk station so if you want something that's powerful enough to do on the flight transcoding, make sure you look at something, you know, that's got a dual core processor in it and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I like I said, I, I love the Synology stuff. It's, I can't stop talking about it, and but very I'm going to stop. Talking Dave, about
1: it. Yeah, Go. Well no, well I'm gonna make you continue and then okay. stop talking about it. Right, no, my question was so the, the one thing I really like about the Drobo is the ability to just pop a drive in there yeah. if you have an open bay and it's like, okay, I get it. You don't have to adhere to the, you know, strict RAID standards. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my RAID version and there you go. There's your drive. It has, you know, error correction, this space, and and it just seems that, you know, that's what I think a lot of people are. Looking for, yeah. I think the Synology does the same thing, uh, although it's it, not the same name. But but I think in in essence, it's 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 very similar. It it's it,
0: you- it's effectively the same thing. What's cool about the Synology, it, it it in the end, you can configure it to use what they call they call it SHR Synology Hybrid RAID, which allows you to have drives of different sizes, and you can hot swap. It's it's, it's the same as what happens with the Drobo, but if you want to with the disc station, you can actually get a little bit geekier. You can set it as a standard RAID and there are some benefits to doing that. You know, with your, if you're going to stripe things, you can get more, you know, you can eke more performance out of it. If you, all your drives are the same size because you can set the stripes to be the size of the drive and it, it gets uh, right, it gets right. easier. We, even with hybrid RAID though, you can go in and set the size of the kind of the minimum stripe size and uh, and and eke out Eww. performance. Oh. Yeah. Well, so right.
1: that, that's the, the tip of the hat. Very geeky. E- yeah, it,
0: but it's good because it, you can say, hey, look, I know I'm never going to put a 250 gig drive in here. I know that the smallest drive I'm ever going to put in is a one terabyte. And therefore, I don't need to have stripes that are, you know, 100 gigs. I can go terabyte sizes on the stripes because I know that's the minimum I'm ever going to put in. And, and therefore you're going to get a little more performance out of it because you're, you're sort of managing it to your own, your own needs down the road. So again, that gets a little geeky. If you don't want to have to mess with it, you don't have to, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm glad they convinced me to look at it when I had sort of run away from NAS drives because of my bad experiences in the past. But yeah, you can start at about 200 bucks for the two
1: bay. Um, disk station, and that's cool. So, I guess for the for for the adventure Dave, there, there always is in disk utility. There is a way to uh, format and configure a RAID array, though I haven't done that for a while. But in theory, you could do software RAID. Yes, uh, if if the drive is direct connected
0: to your Mac, it's not going to work for an, a network drive unless your mac is going to essentially be the the brains right, right. behind the drive but yes yeah a lot right, of people do if like, you get
1: an enclosure that has you know a lot of base and yeah. you want to do it yeah through yeah again not network but yeah just uh, raise right to have a,
0: expandable storage yep or yeah. or yeah yeah no problem but that's not going uh, to i don't believe OS 10 at least not in disk utility i don't think has the ability to do the multiple drive sizes in the same thing i i think from the command oh no, line. I think
1: they're 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 tied to yeah the old raid limitations.
0: Yeah, but I bet from the command line you could do all that stuff because mm-hmm. that's how well I mean that's how fusion drive is working, right? I mean you're yep. creating these these logical volumes. I, I believe it's LVM, and I'm getting to the the edge of my knowledge on this here, but I I think even what Drobo does is based on 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 LVM, right? Logical volume management, and um, it you know it's similar to kind of all of this stuff. And you can, you know, you, you could people, when Drobo first came out, all the Linux had said, Hey, this is great, but it's not new. We've been doing this for years. You know, we've just done it with LVM and, uh, mm-hmm. and all that stuff exists in OS X and it actually is taken to a whole other level with, with, with what they've got in, uh, in line and mountain line. But anyway, <laughs> um, another cool Where stuff found, we? another cool stuff. Go. found. I think I have, I'm trying to think if I have a, uh, uh, do I have it here? Yes, I do. Uh, on Twitter, Jeff Jeffrey Powers Geekazine, uh, turned me on to something called a piece of software called Reflector. And, uh, I believe it's at Reflector App. Uh oh, dang it. My iPad just shut down because of the battery. Uh, it's at dot com, And, uh, and it uh allows you to so airplay is cool it lets you take what's on your mac or your ios devices and share it vi- visually and audibly on your apple tv or whatever screen is connected to your apple tv and that's awesome what reflector does is it turns your mac into a um an airplay receiver and so you can send stuff to your Mac from your iOS device. It's actually pretty cool. And, uh, and so that's, that's cool stuff found. So that's why I talk about it. Huh? Uh huh.
1: I like it. Reflector. Cause it's reflecting. Yeah. I think it actually is probably do, but maybe it's not, but there was always promise of the people talking about TCP IP. Oh, let's have multicast a way to re, I get the router to be smart, saying, "Oh, this is streaming video. Let me uh do something different, right? So I don't bring the network down, and let me stream this." So I have no idea if it does anything related to that, but it looks cool, and I get the purpose. So yeah. All right. Uh, do you see. do much? Uh, uh, I haven't yet. Do you do much video uh, watching? Video on your iDevice versus your real oh. TV, or
0: well so I used to watch video. I mean, on airplanes, I watch videos on my iPad constantly.
1: Yeah. but I'm talking day. more, more streaming that. So yeah, you have something stored either on your TV or whatever, but are you watching it via a portable, more portable device? Um, no.
0: However, now that we have the Apple TV, it's awesome to be able to sit at the couch and I can do this from my iPhone because the screen size doesn't matter. Uh, I, I can pull up a YouTube video or something I want to show the kids or whatever and just hit the AirPlay button and boom, now it's on the Apple TV mm-hmm. and the 5.1 system in the living room and, you know, everything's hunky-dory. So, so yeah, we're doing a lot more of that. And uh, it's 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 actually... The, the Apple TV, I, re- I really feel stupid for not having uh, embraced this earlier because
1: it's... Well, but you're a TV guy like me. I yeah, mean, exactly. The Apple TV in my eyes is still... For what I use the TiVo for, unnecessary.
0: Mm -hmm. Although, like we watched, I mean, it's stuff. (laughs) TiVo is easy for what TiVo does. But the add-on stuff, like managing Hulu via the TiVo, it does it. But it's a train wreck. You know, it's really slow and weird. It doesn't have a keyboard. (laughs) Well, but even, I mean, even without that, it's just, it's clunky. And, uh, And managing that stuff via the Apple TV is way easier. I'm really excited about the day that I hope will come when, third parties can put apps on the Apple TV because what I would love on the Apple TV is a Plex app so that I don't have to use my iPad to, um, you know, be the relay from my disc station to the Apple TV. If it could just manage it there, I would like, I'm going to jump for joy outside. So we need Apple TV with apps. Jump!
1: I'll take a video. I'll do it. Yeah. No okay. problem. We have a record here. Everybody Dave will jump for joy, even in the, Hush, New Hampshire winter.
0: That's right. Uh, all right. I have one more cool stuff found. And then I'm oh. sort of thrown off here because my iPad went to sleep. And so I'm, I'm well, anyway, and it's about time. It's probably time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it totally is time. OK, uh, Mike says, I was recently listening to some of your podcasts and heard a question from a listener regarding how to transfer photos from her compact flash DSLR to her iPad wirelessly. I just read a Macworld article for a new product which debuted at Macworld Expo, Macworld iWorld Expo, uh, which seemed to fit what the user wanted. Uh, I figured I'd forward it your way, and it's called the Camera Mater. And I believe it's com, but uh we'll find that out right now. But uh I don't know where it is, John. I'm gonna find it. Camera. Talk. Keep talking. Camera Mater. Yeah, but anyway, it's uh it it fits into the flash shoe i think of your of your camera and then also plugs in to the uh usb out port and then blasts data uh wirelessly oh i saw it
1: yeah i think i saw it yep yeah.
0: back to your
1: um so back to like your streaming video uh, the, uh who's he what's it uh gadget yes well it's you could it, <laughs> it could. makes your camera into a streaming video server i believe is the is it will it do
0: video I think it's just for photos. Oh, okay. It's pulling because it's coming out of the USB port, so it's taking the photos after you shoot them, and and you see them on your iPad essentially right
1: away. So, oh, okay, yeah. It's it's kind of like so what a photo server. Because I I saw another device, and yeah, well, uh, still sorting through our MacWorld stuff. But I saw yeah. another device was a streaming video attachment for a uh, uh, a lot of camera different yeah. cameras. So yeah, it is CameraMater.com. So, all right. Uh,
0: man, I'm you know, not having my agenda in front of me is uh, is is awfully disturbing, well, you know, but that's okay because I got the band shut it, shut it down. That's right. Well, this was fun. We had a power outage, and, and I, I saw a text from my wife actually. Uh, our power, as I said, came back on within about a second, uh, but uh, the power at the school. Is off, so uh, my wife had to run out and pick my daughter uh, up. For... Who's at school? Or... My daughter is at uh, she was at uh, uh, jazz band practice at school. So,
1: really, yeah. Wait, daughter in jazz band? Yeah, oh. she's a rock and drummer. That is so heartwarming. <laughs> a drummer <laughs> that doesn't surprise. Go me. Go figure.
0: Yeah, I was I'll... hoping for sax. Actually, oh, no. there's plenty of sax players. This jazz band has 114 yeah. kids in it. It's it's probably Whoa! one of the biggest performing, biggest gigging bands in existence, I would say. And they, they'll play like 30 gigs this year, which is, you know, way more than I will. No, yeah. maybe not. Yeah. It's probably about the same as me. A... Anyway. Uh, all right. Where are we here? So feedback at com is the address to which you can send all of your questions, tips, answers, screenshots, videos, Heartwarming notes, criticism, mm-hmm. complaints, whatever. John, what did no, we, I say?
1: Uh, last I checked, Dave, you said feedback at macgeekapp.com.
0: That's right. Feedback at macgeekapp.com. Despite what you crazy folks in the chat room are saying, uh, you can email us there. You can call us at 206 666 geek, which John is.
1: Huh? Feedback. Oh, four, three, three, five. That's right.
0: And you can see the show notes at MacGeekUp.com. Those of you that are premium supporters and have active premium accounts can email us at premium at MacGeekUp.com. And those do get prioritized. Good news. We have found the issue that was causing the reporting... Uh, of your premium transactions not to show up on the user interface we were tracking them all on the back end everything's there uh so we found the issue for some of you it is fixed as i speak now for the rest of you it'll probably be fixed by the time you hear this adam and i are going to go through it uh tomorrow very carefully and make sure that the fix that we have in place for all previous transactions is working for all current transactions now but the, the, uh, the previous transactions we've got, Adam, I say we, Adam has written a, a fix for that, but we want to test it backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards before we roll it, and then you'll see it all in the UI, which also then means that we will be able to do the first round of gift stuff very, very soon. So that's uh, that was sort of the holdup, is we wanted to make sure we were looking at all the right data before we did anything, and uh, I apologize for the delay, but we wanted to get it right. So now that it's right... Gifts up coming very, very soon. In fact, I'll say that we will have a cutoff of February 28th. Anyone that has hit their mm. uh, $100 tier by February 28th will be included in the uh, charter round of, of MacGeekab gifts, and, uh, and we'll show you what that's going to be uh, coming soon. So, and yes, we will ship premium gifts to you at our expense no matter where you are on planet Earth. That's how it's going to be. <laughs> oh, so you're not extending it to?
1: I, we just you know, have no our boys commer- up in the ISS. I we mean, have no on. commercial
0: uh, path of getting it there. If we had a way, I think listen. we
1: may. I think there's a shuttle launch coming up. So I, I got to ask our listeners: There's on no the shuttle launch. The shuttle's ISS. over, or whatever. Well, all the Russians are taking yes. care of. It. But still, there has yes. to be at least one or two people on the ISS. <laughs> there's a geocache. That up are there. listening to us.
0: Uh, Richard Garriott placed a geocache
1: when he was up. Uh, what I'm saying on is, if if the people on the ISS hear this, I think we could. Uh, you know what? Uh, if the, somebody's on the, the shipping I, day, yeah,
0: but. that's right. If somebody's on the ISS listening, do tell us. We will get you the. We will find a
1: way. You, we might need to enlist <laughs> well, your help. They may have to provide some help. <laughs> yes, I, I
0: think they would need to provide a lot they of help. Booster or two. Yeah. but we will. We will do everything in our power uh, and beyond to uh, to get it there because that'd be really cool, actually. So, all right. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, where are we now? So that's good news. Twitter! You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Geekab's the show. He's John F. Braun. Pilot Pete was in the chat room tonight, uh, but not here with us. uh, Pilot Pete. Uh, Mac Observer is where you get all the headlines from TMO and all that great stuff. And, of course, I'm Dave Hamilton. Facebook.com slash MacGeekab is a great place to come and like us. We appreciate that Uh, very, very kindly. Uh, We post... The schedule for the show, uh, the, rather the events for the live show, we also post when the shows have come out and stuff has come out. And we also tend to post some cool stuff found there from time to time, too. So it's a fun place mm-hmm. to, uh, it's, it, it's not going to hurt to like us there on Facebook, and we would very much <laughs> appreciate it. So what else do we have, John? Are we, are we finished here?
1: I, I got nothing. All I right. work tomorrow.
0: Yeah, we both do. It's, uh, Even
1: though it's a federal holiday,
0: I it is. Know. That's right. Uh, the, uh, I was going to say the kids markets. have the kids have school tomorrow for us here, but I yeah. I, I hope. Well, if, if not, if there's no power, <laughs> but I think they'll get it fixed by then. Uh, I Hope so. Yeah, you never know. When when power goes out around here, it tends to stay out. So I'm glad ours mm-hmm. came back on quickly. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, I, of course, want to thank Michael Johnston from not only the We Have Communicators podcast, from also, but also from GetAppler.com, a great place to uh, share and find out about your apps. That, in fact, qualifies its own cool stuff found. We're, we're going to talk about Maybe we should even have Michael on in uh, like next week's show. I'll talk to Michael. Michael, let's talk and, and maybe get you on. And you can tell us more about Appler next Sunday uh, when we're doing the show. Uh, Cashfly at Cashfly.com, of course, provides all the bandwidth. The podcast marketplace includes BBEdit, as we mentioned, CrashPlan, as we mentioned, Text Expander, as we've mentioned, Gazelle, Squarespace, all this great stuff. Awesome round of sponsors here. It's really, really fortunate and pleased about the uh, the folks that we get to tell you about. It is an honor. All back to Podcast, Network. Yes, John. Yes,
1: I think there's one thing that you
0: didn't mention. Wow, <laughs> what was that, John? Well. Oh. How to Not Get Caught.
1: Made up.